In today's episode, I speak to my friend, Tasha Conn. We talk about parenting during lockdown and the current challenges of working from home and homeschooling or just looking after young children during lockdown. Tasha runs a blog and podcast called The Therapeutic Rainbow, which helps parents, teachers and other professionals look after their own mental health in order to empower them to look after the future generation. This is the Journey Happy Podcast for people who want to take control of their health, wealth and happiness. I'm Tony Pound. I'm an independent financial advisor, a health and lifestyle coach, and I'll be sharing with you insights, strategies, and stories that will help you plan better, worry less, and live more. Hi, it's Tony Pound, and welcome to the Journey Happy podcast. So today I'm joined by my friend Tasha, um, and Tasha is a master's uh, sorry has a master's in practice based play therapy as well as certificates in clinical supervision for play and creative art therapies and in play coaching and mentoring um i wanted to introduce you to tasha because she runs a blog and a podcast called therapeutic rainbow uh, and i've given the current situation a lot of us are at home trying to work um homeschooling um, and dealing with kids at home and all the challenges that that brings and uh, the content that Tasha has been posting on her blog on her post podcast as well as uh, um, Instagram has been really really great and so I wanted to do introduce you to Tasha and just chat about some of the challenges that people are facing and maybe some things that we can consider while we're at home with the kids as much as we love them hi Tasha hi thank you very much for having me today you're more than welcome it's good to see you we're obviously um we're friends and we're part of the headington road runners uh club um yeah obviously not getting out as group runs as as often as we could do um and how are you how are you finding things yeah it's definitely a juggle so as well as all the play therapy and the therapeutic rainbow i've also got twin girls at home so they are five So they are doing a mixture of being in school because I'm in school working with vulnerable children. So they're in school three days a week. And then the other two days a week, I'm juggling very much that kind of homeschooling, working, podcasting life. And I definitely think it causes a massive juggle. But I think because they've always known that I work, I've always strived that they see that and they see me as running my own business, getting out to work. I went back very early after having them. So they were only four months old and I went back to work straight away. So they've always seen that. So I didn't want to suddenly stop that because I think you put so much pressure on yourself as a parent to be the best parent that you can be. But actually, I can't be the best parent to them if I'm not feeling happy about who I am. And my career is very important to me. It always has been. Not only do I help myself with it, but I'm also helping children with their own feelings and their emotions. So I think as much as it's been a juggle to do the homeschool balance, I've also not wanted to just stop I'm doing and let them see that I've still got to work as well. And I think we're lucky that our kids are quite young 
that actually the homeschooling maybe isn't as taxing as if they were a lot older anyway. And I never thought yeah. the day would come when I'd say I'm thankful for twins because <laughs> it's still a surprise now. But actually, the fact they are the same age mean, and they're both girls means most of the time they want to play together. They do like playing together. So actually, I can leave them to play for half an hour while I've got a meeting or they're currently watching the telly and that's okay and I think one of the biggest things around my podcast and everything I do is to take away that stigma of parent guilt yeah and feeling guilty for doing the things that you want to do whether that be go for a run whether that be run your own business or whatever that is think we have pet we have children sometimes and think that's it our life has to stop and actually it doesn't you were a p- person before you became a parent and that's what I want them to see I think it's um it, you can get hung up on that belief of what you should be doing you know uh, I know you've touched on this before but that whole social media side of things people will help you know initially i think there was a lot of chat about first lockdown about i don't know what what are you going to learn during this time what language are you going to learn to play a yeah an instrument and all that and obviously the reality is that a lot of us just don't have any free time and have even less time now um but with children you feel that you should be doing something that a teacher would be doing so you want to be replacing yeah the curriculum now my kids like yours are so like I'm um, just turning five and uh, the other one's just about to turn two so my challenges I guess are slightly different in the sense it's not strict teaching but there's entertaining to do yeah um, absolutely and I think yeah the first lockdown it was easier to do because of the weather um, and very much into that learning through play this time i I do feel the pressure thinking, okay, well, it's a considerable amount of time they've had off now. What's the yeah. implications? Um, and not being a teacher, thankfully, I kind of caught up on something where you teach them what you do know. Yeah. And it's back to that. What you're touching there is, you know, you show them about the fact that exercise is important to your life, isn't it? Um, yeah. Find things like that to try and relieve some, maybe some of that pressure. Definitely. And I think make it a game as well. I think if they're having fun while they're learning, then they'll want to keep coming back to that learning. I think we put pressure on ourselves as parents to do the best we can. And I know I felt guilty of it in that first lockdown where I was posting every day, like a collage of all these amazing things that I was doing with the girls. But actually, what you weren't seeing was the tantrums that we had how many takes that photo did take or everything that happened in between and then I started to realize actually who's that helping because it's not helping me because I'm trying to take away actually the fun I'm having by creating this photo it's not helping anybody else because they're thinking oh Tash has got this nailed and I really haven't and actually what would be more beneficial to people is actually seeing the tantrum seeing how we deal with it seeing kind of that which is where the idea behind the therapeutic rainbow came from really right okay yeah so tell me a little bit more about the therapy uh, therapeutic rainbow and your thoughts behind yes yeah. so um i've had my play therapy business in oxford for 
over 10 years and I've always been based within schools. So I'm always working with children, either individually or a group basis. And while I do the coaching and mentoring with families, because I'm kind of within the school, that doesn't really happen. But during the first lockdown, I was getting a lot of parents contacting me, struggling, wanting some advice, wanting to know what they can do. And I thought, well, there must be something that I can do. Like, I've got this knowledge. I'm not the perfect parent. I will never say I'm the perfect parent, but I have the theory behind the things that might work. And I thought, okay, what can I do? And I've always dreamed of having a centre and this being this holistic place that people can come to where the child might be accessing play therapy, but the parent can have that time too. Because I think if you had to go somewhere and you had to wait for your child to be in therapy, so you had anywhere from 30 to 50 minutes where you didn't have to do anything else, you could have that time. And I think I know as a parent, if someone said to me, you've got 30 to 50 minutes and you're not allowed to use your phone, and you've just got to sit and you've got to do something nice for you and you can have a hot cup of tea and you can have a piece of cake or you can have a massage it would be amazing so that's the dream of one part of the rainbow and then I thought all these people are asking me questions that there used to be these magazines and newspapers where you wrote in and you said dear blah blah (laughs) my daughter is struggling with my son so I thought well why can't I be that person why can't they say, dear Tess? So the idea originally was that people were going to write him and I was going to answer them. But then I don't know whether I didn't put it out there right or whether that wasn't coming. And instead, what I was doing was putting a video out at the beginning of the week, looking at a particular theme and then kind of following it on with quotes and tips in the week. And then sometimes a colleague of mine ended with a video or sometimes we just closed it. And then this lockdown, I thought, OK, What's next? What can I do next to get to the next level to help people? And that's where the idea of the podcast came from. And I thought, oh, I think I remember talking to you. Oh, I'll just give it a go, see what happens. And I said to another friend, oh, I'm thinking about a podcast. And they were like, okay, whatever, Tash. And then I was like, it's gone. It's gone live. And they were like, <laughs> but you're only talking about it yesterday. And I said, yeah, but if I set my mind to it, the Taurus in me, the stubborn streak is I'm going to go. And I'm going to get there and I'm going to just see what happens. And I've now got over 22, I think, the last count episodes either recorded already or planned. And I remember saying to you, oh, I don't know if I'll have to do one episode and then I'll have to have a guest and then I'll have to just talk on my own, which, as you can see, I don't mind talking. But I was like, no, the people are there. The people want to help. I think when we're recording this, it's obviously Children's Mental Health Week. And I think mental health needs to be brought to the forefront so much more for children for adults and I think people are willing to help in that and I think what lockdown has shown me is that these people don't have to be next door they don't I mean half the people on the podcast are nowhere near Oxford but they're sharing their wisdom online they're sharing that kind of connection and I'm building a network through that that while may never get any bigger it might turn one person's world around then you get through this of oh well there's another path called a podcast like that out there maybe I shouldn't and then I think yeah but it might take they might have heard it 20 times and then they've heard it from me and they think okay I'm going to change 
my mindset yeah. i am going to change my way of thinking yeah so i that's think it's where um, i'm going where it will go after those episode two nodes but we can only well, and i think that's the important part of it i think the message like you say sometimes we do get this idea that there's all these messages out there all the information is out there but not everybody will know where to find it um and not all everybody will connect with that one person but certainly so like the delivery that you have the the message that you're giving out there it's that idea that somebody will find you and then they will connect with you in terms of that message and, and suddenly you're helping one two and it just grows isn't it um and yeah, i think what i like to really. the, yeah and i think i like to about the the message that you were given or giving out each week is that it's not necessarily all about the children it's about the parents as well and the teachers and, and looking after their their health um and is there a sort of like um are there any special kind of i guess areas that you deal with that you see within the children that you work with or is it kind of a broad um, I, yeah i think a lot of it now is anxiety and that kind of anxious withdrawn child i'm seeing a lot more of that especially with the pandemic that kind of fear so that's i think how one does, of the main referrals how does that kind of present itself do you think because often sometimes I, I read that um I, I read something once that said okay if your child is asking you to play with them yeah. then sometimes that can be a way that they, they there's something they want to talk about Absolutely, um yeah and i know you don't want to make things too complicated but sometimes you think okay well how is this anxiety presenting itself yeah through the children? and that's what, exactly it with young sort of children you yeah you definitely see that play up i mean i with even with my girls now like we talk about feelings all the time but bedtimes have become trickier since lockdown and it was only when i was talking to them the other day they came out with nightmares suddenly that that fear that a five-year-old i never thought would have the word self-isolation and yeah. hand sanitizer and they aren't prepared for all that language but they're hearing it whether you try and shelter them from it or not the very mm. fact that they're going to school and obviously their only reception but they've gone from meeting all these friends and just forming these really special friendships to just not having them anymore and I think for one of my girls, she couldn't really care less. She's her own individual person. Don't matter who she's with, she'll work it out. But the other one is a lot more sensitive. And I think her bedtimes have really started playing up. And she's always wanting mummy. And it's actually, what are you trying to show me? And it's exactly that. She's trying to show me that she misses her friends at school. It's not the same. We've not seen grandparents or anything for so long we're used to going down to spending that time with them but she can't articulate that she doesn't really know that that's how she feels and yeah. it's about you trying to work out and get down to their level and play with them and kind of connect with them in a way that they feel so I think a tip that I give all parents is that actually if you could spend 10 minutes every day playing with your child without any kind of media near you so no phones nothing like that but get that child to lead the play and really watch what that child wants to do and notice it so 
oh, you're playing with, I don't know, the blue car. I really notice that that car is going really fast so that you can really start to notice the small things that they do. And what will start to happen is that because you've noticed them, they'll give you something back and they'll start to talk about their day because I don't know about you, but there's nothing, you don't get anything about their day. (laughs) They might tell you about lunch or what they ate, but they won't really tell you. But if you start noticing what they're doing, so you don't structure the play, they play it with you. So it's not sit down and play a game. It's whatever they want to do. So it could be, we did like nail painting the other day, but they chose it and they were painting my nails. They were painting each other's nails, but it's that kind of time away from everything else. and really focused. And ideally you'd play individually with each of them. The problem I have is that they don't want that. And so we often just play the three of us, but it's still that real noticing what happening, how they talk yeah. to each other. That's interesting because um, I read something recently actually that said um, what you should do, yeah, is you you should try and spend some time individually with them. Yeah. But obviously, yeah. given all our time constraints at the moment, a lot of people are playing together. Yeah. Um. So. Th- because you worry that actually if you you don't want to show favoritism to one so maybe also if you're taking one side to play I, yeah. I guess things happen naturally anyway but but yeah that is interesting that is a good a good way of doing it my two are different ages so that's probably yeah. a little bit easier um otherwise they're yeah but it's, yeah yeah but really notice the silly little things so they might not even realize that they've i don't know push the car really fast but if you notice it then it gets the dialogue going yeah. and then kind of reflecting back so we'd say that if a child was going so vroom, vroom, with the car that you'd go vroom, vroom, with them and that it really sounds like they've been heard and they might okay. not even and it's how the kind of work of play therapy works in that sense of you're then retraining the neural pathways in a really positive way I mean some of the cases that I work with are obviously to the extreme of trauma and abuse and actually to have someone alongside you and to be engaged with you at all times and notice those sounds and notice that pattern of play is really powerful but it's just right. as powerful as a parent and child relationship so it's yeah kind of just stopping for, and it doesn't have to be more than 10 minutes but okay if you can do longer brilliant but also try and make it different so we sometimes, I suggest to parents to make it a special basket that's that special play time. It's that difference between just the normal games that they might have already chosen. So it's something different so they know that special time is coming. But as I said, it can be painting nails. It can be having a, we often do, um, what are they called? Like the lights in the bath, a glow stick, a glow stick okay. bath. So it's something different that just comes out and you really notice the colours and you have music yeah, on. Okay. And so in terms of um, like doing the the teaching side of things as well, where you want, there's, I guess, again, there's this pressure thinking, okay, well, I need to teach something, whether it's yeah. reading, you know, that type of thing. I guess do you do the same kind of tactic there where you're sort of like making it more fun playing as opposed to saying, Absolutely. right now, this is where we're going to do the learning. Yeah, and it's hard because obviously, like we, I don't know what you've got with the school, but we have certain things that we have to do. So we have to sit and we have to watch a video and we have to do that. But it's almost building it in a short chunks, especially when they're this age. So it's like, right, you can do that. 
and then we'll play a game and we do this okay. and we can do it that way and then making the activity fun as well like so we had um this i don't even know what it's called like it's called like play foam where you squish it oh, all yep. together and it's like a sensory thing so i let them just have fun with it and then i got them to write their name with it so again it's they didn't realize they're learning through that but actually just forming the letters the texture of it all of that gives that learning through it as well and there's a great lady on obviously instagram who does all these five minute games and she says that you can learn so much just from watching five minutes but it's five minutes of play when they don't realize so it's like treasure hunts to try and find the letters and then try and spell the words and i think especially when they're so young yeah so much of the learning can be through play yeah and I guess, you know, this, that, the other challenge is the screen time yeah. um, TV. I know we have a, you know, we have a battle at our house um, because you can tell once um, the oldest has been watching TV for any kind of length of period. As soon as you turn that TV off, there's a, there's a period where it's just, you know, difficult. Yeah. <laughs> how do you kind of, how do you think people can combat that screen time or the worry that they yeah. have about I think, again, it's short chunks. So we've taken the pressure off us being the bad guys and we've given Alexa, and I'm not saying Alexa, it could be Google, it could be whoever you wanted to, but we set the timer on there and she gives the timers for when the TV or the iPad is going off. And okay. again, it's breaking that down. So they've got 10 minutes on the iPads while I'm making the dinner, for example, and then she'll go off after five minutes. So again, it give that warning that something is coming to an end or my too often watch programs that have got like two parts to them so they yep. know that they've got two bits and then it goes off but actually it's about setting them up for what's going to happen before it happens so okay. like today before I came up I said right you've got the rest of that episode to watch and then you can watch this frozen fever which is like 20 minutes and then knowing that that will be about the time that I'm chatting. So it's again, they know now that the minute that finishes, it goes off. But I think sometimes we kind of just let it go on too long. So then they, they're not prepared for an end. I always okay. say you have to prepare a child for an ending from the very beginning. And it's how therapy works. So we set the child to have 12 sessions of therapy, for example. And from the very beginning that they come in, they've got 12 boxes on a chart that they tick. I say to them, we get to week eight and we might think that actually 12 is not enough, but if 12 is enough, then they've got four weeks left to plan for that ending. But they've also known from the ending from the very right. beginning. And it's the same with things like screen time and everything. If you say to them, you've got half an hour or you've got an hour and then it's going off and you give them a timer and you give them a reminder, then they're prepared to have that ending. Right. Fantastic. So if you were to give somebody, I don't know, three or four tips in terms of un in how to, I don't know, cope with lockdown as it is, the anxiety that they may well be feeling, and um, what sort of things would you would you say is worth? Yeah, my biggest about? one is don't feel guilty for being selfish. It's not selfish to look after yourself and have that self-care. So that's the biggest one for me. If you need to go out for a run or you need to have a cup of tea before you're human, then 
that is perfectly okay. So don't feel selfish for having self-care. Take the pressure off yourself. Don't compare yourself to another family. We don't know what's going on behind closed doors. And I think we might put out the perfect family, but actually, who are you, who are you kidding yourself? So I think just be real to what you can do and what you're capable of. And then the third one, I think, would be spend that 10 minutes of quality time with your children and just enjoy it. Just Fantastic. watching a child play what they want to play and getting involved in that. The time will fly by and suddenly it's gone half an hour and you're still playing and there's yeah. no messages and it's yeah, just fun. That's, that's it. It's kind of like you can almost get into the trap of chunking down your day, can't you, into hours and thinking okay well how am I going to spend this and 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 miss the actual opportunity to spend that quality time yeah Um, absolutely that's lovely Tasha thank you so if somebody wanted to connect with you and and find you on social media where would they where would they look so if you look at the blog itself is www.therapeuticrainbow.com and then on Instagram and Facebook if you search for the therapeutic rainbow and then the podcast is on Spotify and Apple and Google as well, I think, and all other podcast apps. So, yeah, search <laughs> for the Therapeutic Rainbow and you'll find it all on there. Fantastic. Well, I will put some links in the uh, in the show notes. So, uh, so thanks for that, Tasha. Thank you very much for your time. And uh, it's good to speak to you.